Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to our podcast. It's called the Solid Love Podcast, coming to you from Southern California. My name is Alan Kasaka. And I'm Mary Kasaka. And we're both really excited to bring you uh, this podcast today. And it's called Solid Love. In fact, uh, the little track that you just heard with the entry of, of this whole program was actually from our wedding. It's a special mm-hmm. original song called Solid Love. And we're titling the podcast by the name of that song. And first of all, <clears throat> I want to give you some background as to you know what the theme of our podcast is going to be. And we are really, really uh, strong believers in, in right foundations, in right values, and what those look like from a biblical perspective. And so we want to first give you a framework for what you're going to be hearing in this podcast. And we want to first center this on a passage of scripture, and it's from the Sermon on the Mount, and it's in Matthew, actually we're going to read the Luke version, because there's a Matthew version, but we're going to start with the Luke version, and I'm going to ask my beloved Mary to read you this passage, and then we will go from there. Be happy to. This is from Luke chapter 6, verses 47 to 49, and as Alan said, this is uh, the sermon, part of the Sermon on the Mount. It's actually the closing of the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. So here it is. As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words, and again, this is Jesus. This is a quote from Jesus, so that's who the me is. As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed, and its destruction was complete. Powerful, powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, as you know, uh, parables are really uh, narratives, moral narratives that really Jesus used as illustrations to convey a particular uh, truth uh, that he was trying to convey to the people. So this parable, um, which really links to James chapter one, uh, it tells us to be doers of the word, not just hearers. But let's let's look at uh, you know some of the the things mentioned in this parable. So you know they're both building houses, right? Mm-hmm. They're both building houses, and also that the words that Jesus says are linked to the foundation. Mm-hmm. They're linked right. to the foundation. So really, Jesus is talking uh, about practicing what he says. Right. It has to do with building a foundation in our lives. And Yes, and yeah. how we build. And how we build, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We live in Southern California, and we go to the beach quite a bit, right? Mm-hmm. And we see these houses being built along the walkway, mm-hmm. right, right against the beach. And every time I'm always intrigued because uh, you know there's sand there, yeah. and they have to go really, really deep, right? Right, 
Um, I'm I'm not sure whether they hit rock. I don't know what they're anchoring those houses on, right? It must be rock. It's got to be rock or something, because <laughs> otherwise I don't know the shifting yeah. sand, right? Yeah. But uh, this is this is what Jesus is alluding to in his word, and so we're going to be talking about uh, what it means to build your house on a firm foundation. There's another thing this parable points out: both these houses were battered by external forces, right. storms, identical, torrents. Identical even. I mean, yeah. p- potentially identical storms. Yes. yes. The way they're described. And one of those houses kept standing and the other was destroyed completely, mm-hmm. Which, mm-hmm. Is, which is amazing. Uh, in Matthew's version of this, uh, the one that was mowed down basically fell with a great crash mm-hmm. um, and in Luke's version its destruction was complete right pretty stern words oh yeah yeah uh, so it's very interesting because the the difference in how these houses withstood mm-hmm. identical storms essentially identical storms yeah um, the difference was all in how they were built Yes. And on what they were built. Really, it would seem obvious then that um, the value of what Jesus says, his teachings, and doing them have a lot to do with the strength mm-hmm. of the particular house that is built. Right. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Great, great. So we're going to be exploring some of that as we go on. Uh with a few of the episodes, we'll be talking about marriage. We'll be talking about what it means uh, to raise kids. Uh, we're going to be talking about really what our houses are built with and upon and how that applies across all areas of our lives, vocation, you name it. So it's going to be exciting. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking forward. <laughs> Me too. Before we delve into the subjects and the themes that we want our podcast to focus on, we want to give you a little bit background uh, about who we are and uh, I'll start with me Uh, I grew up in a little country called Uganda which is in East Africa Africa is not one country it's about over 50 countries there and Uganda is situated East Central Africa it's where the source of the Nile is and it sits adjacent to the second largest freshwater lake in all of the world and I grew up in a nominal Christian family uh, large family, and um, actually for me, foundations started to start to come together in terms of Christian foundations at the age of about 14. That's when I came to faith. And my foundations really started to get much more reinforced because of a time of revival that I came to the, to the Lord in, to the faith in, became a Christian. Um, and during that time, Idi Amin, a dictator, came to power. And Idi Amin seemed rather innocuous initially, but he became much more and, and more tyrannical as the years went on during the 70s, I believe, somewhere in there. And uh, But anyway, what happened was the persecution of the church ratcheted up, and my own church got banned. And during that time, there was severe persecution mm-hmm. of the church. And we had to go underground. And it was during that time that I discovered that it really costs something to be a Christian. And it was a marvel 
for me to see many of my friends, many of my fellow brothers and sisters just standing up under great persecution. I saw some people abducted, taken away, extorted for money, but actually killed. Some were taken to prison. And and so this was a very, very, very dynamic time in my life to just watch other Christians stand up for their faith. And it was around the end of his role that um, we faced a situation where my dad thought it would be best for, for me and my brother to be sent abroad uh, because Amin was starting to really uh, now target young men, especially those that he suspected were not part of what he um, was about. And so there was a war that started, and the Tanzanian army was coming uh, to the capital of Kampala. And, uh, <clears throat> and so the day we left, we were faced with about 20 roadblocks, and at each roadblock, army personnel would come in, and they would arbitrarily just pick up people and take them off the vehicle, and we, you know, that was it. They were done. And we were wondering whether we'd ever get to the airport. We were praying like crazy. And uh, finally we realized that, oh, there was no way we were going to make it in time for the plane. And we just kept praying. And providentially, the Air France captain uh, stayed on the ground in Entebbe until every last passenger was on that plane. And... Uh, it was amazing. It was just a miracle that we actually got through mm. 20 roadblocks and the plane was still there. And uh, that was the last time I saw my mother. Mm. And uh, But it was it was just a really dynamic time. When it came to the States, I had a brief time in uh, Pennsylvania, then in Oregon. Then I came to Southern California and joined a church, a wonderful Bible-believing church called Hope Chapel in Hermosa Beach, and really, it became kind of like an oasis for us because mm. it became our spiritual family. And also, in terms of our foundation, it became really a bedrock in terms of raising our kids and having a community of people who are really serious about their faith. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that we really loved about the church was its focus on biblically-centered teaching, line by line, verse by verse, and also its focus on discipleship and strong fellowship uh, within the body that really afforded us a place where we could grow and, in our faith and, and also raise our kids mm -hmm. in, in that faith as well. Yes. Don't forget the worship. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I know you wouldn't mention oh, that, but man. that is a that's an integral part of our church. Um, and yeah, uh, I, um, I, I know, but... I didn't pay you to say yeah. that, did you? Um, but Alan has been uh, the um, an integral part of the worship uh, at our church for uh, almost forty years. So, and that's where I met you mm -hmm. at this wonderful church. And now, my beloved is going to share with you just from her own background uh, where she came from and how she ended up at Hope. Yeah. Yeah, well, I similarly was raised in a large family. I think your your family had seven kids. Mm -hmm. Our family was nine, right. nine children, and our parents. So there were 11 of us. Yes. I grew up in Connecticut, mm -hmm. uh, quite a bit of a different place than yeah. Uganda <laughs> in so many ways. 
weather being uh, not the least of them. Yes. And um, but it was a really uh, rather idyllic childhood. Um, you know, in the '60s and the '70s, uh, just a really um, idyllic, idyllic upbringing. Um, I was raised in a Catholic family. My parents were very devout Catholics and put forth um, a great deal of money to educate us in Catholic schools pretty much all the way through. Um, When I was 16, now this is interesting because this is right about the same time, probably within days. You left Uganda in January 1979, right? Right. Late January. Well, in late January of 1979, I also left my childhood home. Oh, wow. Yeah. Not for the same reasons, but Mm -hmm. uh, just for a a job change from my dad. Yeah. Uh, So I was a junior in high school and the younger half of the family, because again, a large family and I'm one of the youngest. So the younger half of the family moved with our parents to Cincinnati. I finished high school there, went to college in Dayton, Ohio, University of Dayton, got my bachelor's degree there in mechanical engineering, and then wanted to uh, live in a new place. I didn't have really strong ties to Ohio. I'd only been there for about five years. Uh, I had been away from Connecticut, so I thought I needed, I'd like to just try a new place. And um, so I moved to LA area, Southern California area in 84 um, and started working in aerospace. I was still Catholic at that time for a few more months. (laughs) (laughs) Um, A friend brought me to our church um, and I got born again there and um, and that was where I met you eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing stuff. But anyway, long story short, we started courting uh, about a year later. And it was during this time that, um, for some reason, uh, at that time, we we had a little conflict. Mm -hmm. And we broke up for about a month. This was six months in. Mm -hmm. And and so we figured that, boy, there must be more to this uh, (laughs) that we don't really realize or know. (laughs) And, uh, And so about a month into our breakup we we kind of talked to each other and we resolved to to get some tools mm-hmm. we, we figured we needed some tools right is that oh, yeah. how you remember oh, yeah. it mary uh-huh. yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah oh yeah and so we we joined a class it was called teammates at the time mm-hmm. and there were certain things that uh were conveyed to us that were very very uh kind of what would you say well, they were tools. They, they were tools. It, it was really... some eye-opening things. Yeah. I think one thing that uh, I remember from the class a very long time ago, so it would have been 1988. Right. Uh, one of the things I remember from the class was that uh, conflict didn't have to be the end of the world. That's right. And uh, it kind of removed the fear factor mm-hmm. of conflict uh, and actually... Uh, flipped it on its head and just said, hey, you know, this actually, if you resolve conflict, resolved conflict actually brings you closer together. Yes. Which I think was a bit of a, an eye-opening thing, at least for me. I think for both of us, we were like, oh, really? So we can face conflict head on and work through it. Yes. 
and actually come out stronger on the other side. Yes, and, and it's interesting because, you know, I came from a family that was really reserved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and guess what? Uh, Mary came from a family that was... Not at all reserved. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always say our family, my family that I came from, yeah. large, loud, and loving. Mm, yeah. yeah. Big yeah. family, a lot of siblings, a lot of noise, yeah. a lot of love. Yeah. And so, so in terms of this aspect, um, it, was, it was very interesting, interesting to learn that I tended to be a conflict avoider. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know... And uh, whereas Mary, <laughs> I think you put it once yeah. that I had the double barrel approach. <laughs> that was how you put it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes, and so Mary, Mary's Mary's normal way of dealing with it was to hit to just let's get into it, let's let's take it on, and uh, but again through the class and through scripture. Uh, and there's a lot of scripture. I mean, Jesus talks about this in Matthew 18, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if your brother sins against you, you know, go talk to him about it. Go go talk to him about it. And and so um, this idea that uh, conflict resolution actually brings intimacy, taking taking the fear out, really gave us confidence that there's nothing ahead in our mar- in our relationship. We were not married at the time, right? That that we could fear, mm-hmm. that we could deal with things that come up. And so that was very refreshing. Mm-hmm. One caveat we want to mention is that we were courting at this time. Mm-hmm. We were not yet married. So courting is a time where you're you're really, you know, learning from each other and seeing how your values are built and whether marriage is actually possible between you. And there could be red flags that are insurmountable that that you know yeah. hey, you know and and that's what you find out in in courting right and so we just want to make that point right yeah these our our conflicts were not what i would consider a red flag yeah they were they just were, they were just bumps in the road bumps in the road trying yeah. to figure this whole thing out yeah, yeah yeah absolutely so after really going through this class it gave us the impetus to continue in the relationship right and uh, it was during this time also that it was evident to us that, you know, we were realizing we had a common sense of call. I, I felt very strongly drawn to ministry. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then Mary also was having some <laughs> realizations of her own. So she's going to elaborate. Yeah, well, I think when I, when I became a Christian and I, um, I had a very strong sense of calling as well, in ministry, wanted to be doing that. I was working in aerospace, but I wanted to be doing ministry in all of my off time. Uh, Cause I guess I realized that, you know, what could be more important really yeah. uh, than this great news that I had learned about the gospel. And I just wanted to be doing stuff yeah. to do with that all the time. Um, when I first, uh, took note of you, um, maybe around 86 or so when I joined the music team. Um, and even before I joined the team, I, you know, it's hard to miss you. You were front and center a lot of the time doing the music. Um, and I remember thinking, gosh, you know, how does this guy do all this stuff? Because he's working, 
you know, outside full time during the week. And then you're, every time I was at church on the weekends, you were there. And I thought, how is he doing all this? And I began praying for you for help, (laughs) a helper. (laughs) I said, Lord, this guy needs a wife. I pray that you'd send him a really good wife. Uh, The call on him seems to be pretty significant. And so it's funny. I know that's a really funny, odd thing. That's not the way it usually goes. But I remember when we would be singing on uh, at a service, and you had written a song called "Here, <laughs> Here Am I, Lord, Send Me." Oh, yes. uh, from Isaiah. From Isaiah and, and Jeremiah and yeah. Jeremiah, a little yeah. bit out of both. Yeah. Uh, and I remember when my heart skipped a beat, and I started to see you differently. Uh, and be just really starting to fall for you. I remember laughing to myself as I would sing that song, standing next to you uh, during a, a worship service, and uh, and I'd be singing my line of "Here, my Lord, send me," <laughs> thinking about that prayer that I had prayed for a wife for you. Um, but I think that as we <clears throat> got to know each other better, and we were and we were looking at the potential of a, of a marriage relationship, it became evident, uh, certainly to me, I think to both of us, that we had a common call. It was the thing that uh, animated both of us. And I think about the uh, account, the creation account in Genesis 2, verse 18, where it says, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. I mean, this is clearly an indicator of the foundational things in marriage, that the husband and the wife are co-laborers in a calling. Yes. And that was really clear. That became very clear that we both had a common call and wanted to fulfill it together. Yes and would be better fulfilling it together mm-hmm. rather than separately. Yes, and, and it really began a pursuit into how, how God has designed this thing mm-hmm. you know, to work. Really. Right, right. And, and we, we coined a phrase, and this was after uh, we got married, was that yeah. marriage is bigger than us. Right, it was several years later. Several, yes, yeah. exactly, exactly. And so uh, in, a, in a subsequent episode, you know, We'll get more into uh, what we were thinking when we say marriage is bigger than us. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's part of this whole building block of understanding about how it goes together and, and, and really helped our sense of what the foundation should look like. Mm-hmm. Well, folks, it's been great to be with you. Right. Yeah, it's been wonderful. This is fun. This is great. Um, Well, uh, we hope you join us next time Mm -hmm. for another edition of Solid Love Podcast. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.